Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for who you are, for what you do. We thank you for loving sinners like us. Uh, we truly do need you. We love you. Be with us as we enter into uh, your word, as we, as we hear you speak to us. Uh, I pray that you would, uh, through your spirit, enlighten our minds, convict our hearts, comfort us in Christ, and move us toward right action in light of who you are and who you make us to be in Christ. In your name, amen. All right, we will be in uh, Romans 6 today, 6, 1 through 11 is where we'll be. We'll really be focusing on uh, verses 1 through 4 there. Um, we will, uh, I just want to give a couple announcements just for logistics. We're going to try and keep it shorter because it's hot out here and uh, there, there are some communion elements out there. If you want to get those, you can go get those. We'll be taking uh, um, communion immediately after, uh, after we have the, the sermon here. There's also restrooms open uh, for you as well uh, if you need those. Well, we're in this series, uh, this series in, uh, on sanctification, uh, this, I, this idea of becoming what we are in Christ. Uh, so there's this idea of, um, of, of sanctification, of justified, of being justified, that we are guilty before God because of our sin, but because of faith in Christ, we are seen as in right standing with God. And so it doesn't stop there, though. That's not where, that's not where Christianity stops. That's not where, what we believe, is that we're just forgiven and then we can do whatever we want or not. There's this idea of sanctification that comes, uh, that because we are in Christ through faith, that we are also made holy, we are seen holy, because Christ was holy and we get, and we get that. It is seen as we are holy. So we are holy people, and in sanctification, we then live a life of growing, of journey toward further holiness. We are in Christ, so conform to the image of Christ, and that's what the trajectory of our life in Christ is. Romans 6 is going to give us some of this, uh, some of this understanding. You see, the last three weeks that we've been going through this, if you've been following, is, is more or less a general overview. What is this idea of sanctification? What, what are we talking about in Christian living and becoming holy people? Uh, so that's what we have for the last three weeks. Right now, we're going to make this turn slightly in the conversation and give a framework of just what, how does this apply? How does this, uh, what does this look like in our lives? We're going to look at a lot of things that, that, are, that are different, Flesh, uh, fleshly life, spirit life. We're going to look at uh, uh, slavery and freedom. We're going to be looking at, um, today, dead and alive. We're going to be looking at some of these things. Um, and so I'm going to set up a bit of a framework, but also talk about uh, dead and alive and what that means uh, for us. Uh, and then over the next few weeks, we'll be talking a little bit more about sanctification and just kind of the way to balance it. What it isn't, what it is. Um, I'm really encouraged over the next few weeks, uh, I'll be preaching. We'll have uh, some other preachers up here. I know our brothers uh, Andrew and Greg will be uh, preaching a bit on this as well. So I'm very encouraged to hear uh, the, uh, uh, the Bible proclaimed and the truth of God for us, um, proclaimed to us uh, in a wonderful, uh, robust, rich way. So Romans 6 is going to ask a great question. Before I even set it up or, or go any further, I just want to read it. Um, so let's read here. Uh, if you're able to, out of reverence for God, I'd ask that you would stand as we read uh, Romans 6. I will read 1 through, uh, 1 through 4, then I'll jump to 11 for the sake of time, but we'll get through all of that. So this is Romans 6, 1 through 4, and then verse 11. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of, uh, by the, glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. I'll jump to verse 11. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So up to this point in Paul's uh, letter to the Roman church, he's diligently unpacked very systematically this idea that, uh, that every human being is a sinner, uh, both, uh, both by nature, that's Romans 5, and by choice, that's Romans 1. Therefore, we are rightly deserving the punishment, or what he calls the wages of our sin, which is death. That's Romans 5.23. But there is this thing that through faith, faith being that acknowledgement of the reality of our sin and, and forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ, that because of this faith, we are justified and made right before God and therefore saved. So that was a massive amount of Romans theology for you there to get us to this spot. That's chapters one through five of Romans. But now we get to this part in Romans six where he's going to ask a real everyday kind of question and say, wait a second. So, so, so because of God's love, he gives us a gift that he forgives our sin just by faith. So I guess the question I want to go with, because Josh Casey is pretty lazy and likes to do whatever he wants to do, is I'm going to ask this question. So are you telling me that I'm getting forgiven every time I sin? Well, then should I just sin so that grace abound all the more? Maybe it would be good for me if this is a transaction kind of faith. Maybe every time I sin, God's grace is bigger. Maybe we should explore the limits of God's grace and just go crazy. Maybe this really is just a thought and it doesn't actually matter for my everyday life. If you're like me, you might be saying two things. One is, certainly not. This can't be it. Uh, the other thing you're saying is, this sounds pretty good. I think we should go for this. What do we do with this? Uh, Romans 6.1 asks the question, are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? Uh, if you have a New Living Translation, you're helped here. I, I love the wording of this. Uh, well then... Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? See, if sin and grace are a one-to-one, -one, that every time there's sin, there's more grace. Every time there's sin, we're exploring more grace. Something like this. I think at the worst, we could say, well, let's prove God's abundant grace by getting to work at abounding in sin. I'm not sure that's exactly what we're doing. Maybe sometimes we do that. Uh, maybe it's, uh, it's, it's, it's this, it's maybe a little less, but it's not exactly uh, how it should go. Is maybe it's, it's something that I shouldn't worry or care so much about right living. And then misquoting a whole bunch of passages in the Bible, we say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, and God will forgive us. So just go for it. What is the problem in that? They sound like logical arguments, and, and to a part they are. But what is the problem in that? That leaves life pretty hollowed out. That leaves Christ just depleted of who he is. That leaves a newness of life, something that's not actually real. And ultimately, what it goes to is you're going to live a life that is, is strange, is bizarre, and we'll get into this. Uh, but, but, but outwardly, it's just confusing. I mean, I look around uh, in the last week, the conversations I've had with people, and, uh, and, and, and Americans, especially Christians, or I would say even Christians, I don't know if we're leading the pack, but we shouldn't even be in the pack. It's this idea of this, uh, we are so good at, at black and white issues and being extreme on one side or the other. Uh, just in the last week, I had extreme viewpoints expressed to me on politics. Surprise, surprise, that one's like 
Nothing new about that. So both sides of politics. Let me go a little deeper into race. I've heard both sides very extreme. I've heard both sides very extreme on masks. This seems bizarre, but a thing that we're divided on. Uh, reading through uh, some stuff. A lot of this you know, is really good on Facebook. It's really easy to find. There is no real gray area on Facebook. Uh, and we're really good at that one. Uh, but then there's this other one that I've just, uh, just come across this last week is apparently we're either celebrating and honoring our history as Americans or we are uh, uh, um, offending our neighbor by lighting a firework. And so the point is not where you land on these things. The point is we are so amazingly good at being extreme on black and white issues or even issues that aren't black and white. We make issues out of things that maybe shouldn't be. We're really good at this, but then when it comes to our faith here, we kind of go with this middle-of-the-road approach. Now, maybe I can be alive to God in Christ, but then act or think as though there's another option. And so how do we go about this? Uh, it's, it's amazing that, that, that Paul asked this question here, and then, and then how he answers it. One of the things, if you know me, you know that I love all the surprising things about Scripture. So we ask this question, what should we do? If grace is abundant, should we just continue that grace may abound more? And his answer is striking. The Holy Spirit inspires him to not answer the question directly, but to kind of go through the side door, get us to the footing of the question, and then reconstruct the entire thing. And so he answers this question, and he says, by no means, I am offended that you would even think of that question. This is insane. Where did this question come from? That's what he's saying there. He doesn't just say like, no, probably not. He said, by no means. All of us who have been baptized into Christ, that's his answer. <laughs> We've been baptized into Christ. So he asked the question, should we keep sinning? No, is his answer. No way. Because we are united with Christ. That is not the answer I, I would have thought. I would have thought he was going to say, well, that's where the law and obedience come in. You're grateful for the forgiveness of sins and you just obey. That's your duty. But he says, uh, you are united in Christ. He doubles down on this. Verse 5, for if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. There's something about this idea of being in Christ which answers the question, should I sin or not? Uh, there is a, a wonderful book, probably one of the top five books you should read this year, J-Curve by Paul Miller. It's phenomenal. Uh, in, in, this, uh, in this book, uh, Paul Miller talks through uh, a lot of this idea of dying and rising. Uh, but at one point, he points out that, uh, that Paul even develops this idea in his own languages. He talks about this idea of being united in Christ in a little bit of a diff different way. In Galatians 1, 13 through 14, Paul describes himself as in something other than Christ. Galatians 1 reads, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. Now, we're not talking about in Judaism. We're talking about in anything other than Christ. Now, for him, there's something else there. We can go there. We don't have time. It's super hot. We're not going to go into that. He is in something other than Christ. He has seen himself in something else. We use this language today. This isn't like a surprising Christianese Bible kind of a thing. We use this language every day. Um, uh, the way that I um, 
thought of my of our first interaction, real interaction with my wife Stacy and I uh, was um, was when we were in uh, AmeriCorps serving together in in Lincoln, Nebraska. And we go to the state capitol for like the kind of rally send off governor says, because we're in Nebraska and the governor told us literally get her done. Um, that's, that's how we do in Nebraska. Uh, and, uh, and, and so she comes in and she sits in this row and, uh, and they, the row's empty and she comes and she sits next to me. And now for me as a normal, as a normal person, I would think we, get, we need some space. But I had already had some thoughts about her and I was not in a normal frame of mind. I was in love. And so that whole thing changed me. It immersed me. And, and that's how I interpreted things. So rather than thinking, hey, we need space, I'm thinking, this girl is way into me. <laughs> you can ask her, uh, you can ask her, you know, what, what her thoughts are of it. I'll tell you. She said, no, they literally just told us to scoot in to find room. I'm still in love, so I don't believe that. Uh, so so whatever, it's, it's debatable here. Um, and so there, there are other ways we talk about this. When you're in the zone, you know, when someone's, uh, when someone's in, in sports or, or, you're, or you're, you're working on a project, you just dialed in, you are in a different framework. Everything you think about is leveraging to get that done excellently, wonderfully, winsomely. You are in that way. When you are in Judaism, what happens here? Judaism is, is, is a works righteousness kind of thing. At that point, it was. At that point, we're trying to be better so that we are accepted. And we do this with our sports, sports righteousness. We try and, you know, achieve, put our a sacrifice of our children being excellent, getting scholarships, and then that shows, oh, we got it. Uh, works righteousness or just workplace righteousness. We try, we try and go that way. And we, we, when we're not in Christ, we go to this way where we're, we're doing things in a very strange way that isn't in line with reality. Because that's not how it works. There's Christ. And if we are with Christ, we are now in Christ. Do our kids need to be the greatest? No, it'd be awesome if they were. But they do need to have faith. They do need to be moving or have the option, the opportunity to understand what faith in Christ is. Does our workplace need to be the greatest? Does our resume need to be the greatest? No, I don't think so. Paul even says, I have the greatest resume, and it's nothing because of Christ. As Christians, when we get online, when we get in conversations, we seem to see the black and white, be frustrated by the black and white. Even our response is, you know, is extreme on the extremes. But it seems like when we get to the biggest deal, the most eternal truth, the foundation of everything that is, we pray to God. We read the Bible. We think about this. We, we have, we're in a community group or a small group. We sing songs. And there is a point, maybe in a given week, maybe multiple points, where we, we are alive to God in Christ and we get that. But somehow, what Paul's saying is we don't live that way. We live as though we are dead. And now we're not in this weird middle ground of half alive, half dead he says, this is ridiculous. You're one or the other. You're not, you're, not, you're not halfway this or the other. And if you are in the way of the world, in the way of not Christ, that is going to drive your decisions. I mean, we've been convicted this week talking about, with, with Stacy ways in which things other than Christ are driving 
my decisions for the day. And it gets down to that level of decision-making. How I interact with my neighbor or don't interact with my neighbor shows an understanding I may have of the gospel. It shows how much I'm willing to not, to not be simply in the Bible or in the word or in prayer, but actually move that to where Christ did and be in their shoes. He didn't just sit up there and dictate to us theology. He came down and had compassion and was part of that. He embodied the gospel. He jumped into it with us. What does this look like for us? What does this look like for us today? It looks like a, a, a constant back and forth decision making every day of dead and alive. He says in verse 4, in order that just as Christ was raised from dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. There's this idea of this newness of life. He'll explain this more in verses 8 and 9. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. So we go back to the question. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? When we live in Jerusalem or in the world or in not Christ, we default to a dead in Rome. But it's not an impossible task for us. Uh, as a society, we, 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 uh, we, we readily are available. The, 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 the abilities, the, the reflexes, the, the, the conversation is ready for us to decide to be definitively for or against something. And I think his urge here is, if you ask this kind of a question, you haven't yet picked a side. It's not that way. That's not even a real question to ask if you are alive or dead. How do we navigate the middle ground? There is no middle ground. <laughs> it's dead or alive. Okay, so I've explained a bit of that, that theology. I just want to get into the everyday. I started with the everyday. I want to end with the everyday here. This newness of life, this death and, and life. One of the ways that we think about this, and maybe it's helpful for us just in our everyday decision-making, um, is, is that we think sometimes of this, this history. I think C.S. Lewis talks about this, uh, uh, what is it, chronological snobbery, this, this idea, or, or that we distance that the things of the past were worst. And so my sins that I apologize for, I'm, I'm really good at apologizing for sins of my youth because I was dumb and it was old and it was a long time ago. I'm really good, even though I have those same sins and I struggle with those same sins now, I would be more ready with the guys that I meet with on a weekly basis to talk about those sins last year. Even though I may have struggled with those sins this week. We do this. We push our sins. The, the old me was the dumber me. And in doing that, we say, and so grace is on the dumber me. And we don't actually strive confidently for it. We don't name the sin of today that we have. Uh, and then we look at this newness of life and say, I'm somebody different. Just get rid of that. I'm somebody different. There is a part of this that it talks about our journey, our story, our testimony in Christ, and our, li you know, our lives from death to life. But in decision-making... What happens is, uh, is that there's, there's our dead self and our living self. One is enslaved, as Romans 6 says, enslaved to sin. It says, oh, you're just going back. You've done this so many times. God's grace has always been there. We can just, what's one more? Or this living self who is alive to God in Christ. These aren't two things with a definitive, you know, they're not two sides with a definitive switch. They're on top of each other. And every day we have to decide, am I going to be dead, or am I going to be alive? 
I read things uh, on online. I, you know, Facebook is awful. Um, but you read some stuff and you get angry. Uh, I've had some interactions with, uh, with some people this week. Some, someone, you know, even came up to me this week and more or less said, I think that you're an idiot and you don't know how to make decisions. And what do I do in that moment? <laughs> I want to live as though I'm death and, you know, I, I would punch them, but it wouldn't actually hurt them. So I never really go for violence because I got nothing. Uh, but I, can, I, could, I could spend some words. I could go for their heart. I could go for their identity. Um, and in those moments, I want to say something, but I have to take a breath. I actually consciously do this. I'm not just saying this. Take a breath. Die. What of Christ is needed here? Oftentimes, I have to step into their shoes and say, what are they thinking? How did that seem like a good comment? Are they lacking something? Are they hurt? Are they defensive? Do I need to say something? If so, how and when and where? That's a lot slower of a process to be choosing to live in Christ. I could just rail stuff off on Facebook all I wanted. Sometimes it's good to just get it out right up the, right up the, uh, right up the post. Sometimes you write that letter, write that scathing email, and then do this act here. This is an act of worship. You hit delete and say, I put that at the foot of the cross. I'm going to live today. I'm not going to choose death. And sometimes you have to take whatever you had scathing there and maybe write another draft. That one is most likely going to be a little more sane. <laughs> and maybe that one you have to get rid of. Or maybe another one is you, you just turn that and look at it and, and you figure out, what of this do I need to pray for? And maybe that's the way you talk about it. Maybe it's just between you and God. And sometimes maybe you just have to swallow your pride and move on. <laughs> maybe sometimes people will disagree with you. That is a very tangible way in which we can choose life and to live in Christ as opposed to dying and being slave to sin. You can run your mouth on Facebook all you want, but it seems to be asking that question. Should I just keep sinning that grace abound? God will work this out. This will all be okay. I'm just throwing this out. Truth will arrive. God will be good. The idea of dying to sin is dying to self. Because the, the root of sin is pride. And more often than not, our sin boosts our self. And it's not even like a lesser sin. It's just no sin. It's not this gray area. I think sometimes we go for this lesser sin as God is going to reward us for choosing the lesser option. Uh, a more clothed lust is less sinful. Prefacing our slander and our gossip is, is less sinful. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm knocking at the door. Oh, hey, I'm about to slander someone, but I wanted to acknowledge it. And God says, oh, good, at least you know. This isn't mine to share. I heard this from someone who heard this from someone. This is red flag. We're about to walk through the door. God is not going to honor the fact that you just did a preface. You sinned. You lust. Nor is he okay with these excuses. You know, I'd be more alive if I had more sleep or less stress. Well, I guess if you're alive to Christ, go get that sleep. Go figure out how to re reduce some of that stress. And even so... The psalmist is pretty sleepless and pretty stressed and still gives us words to speak to God and our neighbor. There is a way we can choose to live to Christ and not be enslaved 
in the death of sin. The dead and alive self, the enslaved to sin and freed self, is not a history of liberation, but a daily decision to bring the good news, its implication and its virtues, to today. So, consider yourselves in faith in Christ, dead to sin, and alive to God in Christ. This is a good word today. It's a challenging word today. There's so much more in Romans 6 that I'd encourage you. Look through Romans 6. Study through Romans 6. Think of these concepts. There's so much more in there than I could have ever said right now. I hope and my prayer is that increasingly North Liberty, our neighbors, our city, our county, our world, our culture can start to look at Christians and say, oh, I get them. Those are the living ones. Not the ones who say they're alive and act like the rest of us. What is the point? I want that. I want what they do. I want that integrity. I want that hope. I want that discipline. Integrity, hope, and discipline. (laughs) Those are like bottomed out right now in all of our culture. We're not like anyone else. It seems like if we believe someone died for our sin and came to life, seems like we got something there. So let's try it out. Let's go for it. I want to pray now that we do that. I want to just talk. I want to pray that God help us to do that. I also want to be praying uh, for our our brothers and sisters who uh, are part of our North Campus family but are uh, have moved on, who have who've graduated or whatever. There's a lot of change that's happened since last time we've uh, we've gathered together. So I want to uh, want to lead us in a time there. Um, so I'll I'll open with with a little prayer of the sermon, but then I am going to give a little bit of time, just some prompts. Uh, to be praying for, for those in our midst. It's like we have like a, a reunion and sending service all in the same thing just because of our situation. I want to embrace a lot of that and get us back together uh, as the North Campus family. And so we'll do that, and then we'll end with, uh, with the Lord's Prayer, and we'll move into our time of communion. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are um, just, you are merciful, you are good, you are right, you are holy. You are so many things that we are not by ourselves. But in your grace, your mercy, your power, your love, you make us those things in Christ. Help us to understand, embrace, and explore that. Help us to pursue it. Help us to walk in a newness of life that is real. Help us to pick a side, dead or alive, and live it. Help us clarify the gospel in the way we make decisions and choose to speak and choose to be silent. God, I pray especially for this. We need a new culture. We need a culture that is alive in Christ. Pray that you would give us guidance, conviction. Give us the tenacity and discipline. Give us the, uh, the creativity and the approach to speak the gospel into every area that we work and live and play. We want nothing more than to see you and feel you each and every day. Help us advance the kingdom through love, through patience, promoting peace. Brothers and sisters, let's align our hearts and our wills to that of, uh, to that of God as we pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, I will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.